Prepare to hear the truth from a real whistleblower and American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. I've got an interesting show for you today. I'm going to give you some catch-up from being at SHOT Show. Uh, I got a chance to go to the SIG Range Day, so I'm going to kind of cover that. Uh, we're going to talk about the classified document scandal, what I think is going on there, and um, I've got a little bit of help on that. We're going to talk about the Third Amendment maybe known as the Forgotten Amendment. Everybody's big on the First Amendment. Everyone's big on the Second Amendment. Nobody wants to have their Fourth Amendment violated. They want to invoke the Fifth, but nobody talks about the Third. Why is that? So we'll be talking about that. Uh, we're going to be talking to my buddy Steve Friend, who is going to be joining me for most of this, including a new piece that he wrote about the Third Amendment. So we're going to discuss his uh, op-ed that he did. And uh, he's got a security interview coming up, so we're going to talk about strategies when talking to the FBI. You guys can get kind of a two-agents perspective on talking to other agents. Uh, and, and some of the things that we think are funny to do. Uh, we're also going to talk about Jim Jordan's commission, the new church-style commission that's coming up out of the House Judiciary. And so uh, we should have some, hopefully some change. Um, I'm more optimistic than I have been in a while, and I'll tell you why in just a second here. But first, let me go ahead and invite my buddy Steve Friend on standby. We're going to bring him in on Skype. Hold on. I think I had you muted, and now I got you on. All right, day 124, you said. Day 124, captive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> A captive. That's right. So, uh, welcome, welcome to the program. We're gonna uh, talk about some of these things. Let's uh, let's kick off Shot Show. So, I don't know. Did I talk to you at all while I was at Shot or no? Uh, yeah, you just gave me a little bit blow by blow after action uh, each day. All right. So let me just tell you this. Uh, as a guy who likes to shoot. I got to go to the Sig Range Day. So there's two different types of range days that happen. Um, one of them is the industry media range day where all the gun companies come out, and then the other one is just Sig. So I went to just SIG and they have literally every handgun, all the rifles. I also got to hang out in the military area uh, and go see some of their stuff because I've got some friends now. Um, some of them I made on that day, but I shot all the red dot pistols that are out there. And I don't know if you're a SIG guy yet, but um, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a growing SIG guy. I realized I was looking out there. I was like, oh, I own that rifle. They, they have a thing called the SIG cross, which is like a bolt action gun and super cool. And then I started shooting all their handguns. And now I just, I mentally spent probably like 10 grand while I was there. So that's, <laughs> which, which is always, which is always terrible. They got one your lady might like, uh, does your wife shoot at all or no? Uh, every now and then that's actually why I got the, uh, the Glock 48 cause it fit her hand a little bit better than mine. Okay. So they made this thing that was called the Rose series, uh, I think. And they had a little display called the Rose garden where people could go and do demos and stuff. But uh, it's got some like rose gold colored accent pieces that are a little bit more feminine, but not stupid feminine, like you know, ne neon pink. Exactly, yeah, like a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more like low visibility stuff. Um, and and they were just accents like on the like the uh, the back of the slide, like the little piece there, which actually has a really good aiming function if you've ever done that. Um, there's a there's a technique you can actually cover your target with the base plate um, at the back of a slide, and okay. it, bas it basically is a bore sight. Um, oh, nice. So if your sights were to fail, like some guys do that, uh, especially up close, you just literally just point if you're, if you're, uh, aligned properly. But anyway, so they got some little, uh, some rose gold colored pieces that were kind of pretty, um, the shot really nicely, which is the only thing that I really care about. But, uh, if they're a little bit feminine too, and women get into shooting, I think that's cool. So did that. Um, I got to see some awful, awful shooting technique. <laughs> It turns out that being in the gun business doesn't mean that you have to know anything about guns or know how to shoot guns. And uh, 
I don't know. You know, like the thing that you'd see, like, I guess we don't even see it at the Academy, but like new agents that have never held a gun before. Yeah. And the, yeah. Or, or Bubba's like they came out and they had like no formalized training, no law enforcement, no military background. And they just do whatever the hell they do with those things. Um, a lot of that. I saw some things that were seriously troubling that they were, was there any of the, uh, like everybody's got to have a shtick, So they got to come up with a new, you know, upside down with one finger and one leg in the air trick. That's going to give you, or is it just rank amateur hour? Uh, so yeah, rather than doing the parlor tricks things, uh, they're not doing a lot of instruction at range day. It's really just step up. It's kind of, it's kind of a neat little thing. So you walk up, there's like a, um, like your standard flat range, um, all kinds of steel targets at distance. And then you literally walk up and the guy loads you a magazine with five or hands you a magazine. If you're competent and you can, you know, function check and you get to shoot dot or not dot. I shoot dot. I don't know. <laughs> I'm spoiled. At <laughs> the, the guys running that, that sounds like a miserable experience. Yeah. I was loading magazines all day long. Yep. You don't even have like a junior to do it. No, I mean, there is a junior. That's the poor guy who's doing the junior work. <laughs> there was one guy that's loading in the back. Yeah. And then everyone's just kind of just blasting nine millimeters around. Um, some really neat stuff though. I think it's worth noting that I think the, the reason why I like companies like SIG right now, and for anyone who's wondering, they don't pay me. I just bought a bunch of their stuff. Um, they're pushing the, the gun industry forward in a way that other people are not. They're trying to do things that people haven't done before. So I think that's really cool. And you get to try to play around with new stuff, especially on the rifle. Um, but um, they're putting compensators into carry guns. I don't know if you've ever shot any comped guns. You ever done that? Mm -mm. No. I mean, they're calling them like expansion chambers, but essentially what it does is it's recoil mitigation and it's also uh, muzzle rise okay. mitigation by venting okay. gas in a way that makes sense. And, um, it's a big deal. Like it, it literally does make your felt recoil in a handgun less. And I know you're not a big dude and I'm not a big dude. So that's always kind of nice to like have a less jumpy handgun. It does it affect the weight overall at all or no. noticeably. No, not in this case. Um, what you're doing is it's, it's right on the edge. They're, they're actually milling it into the slides and they're cutting out so that as the barrel, you know, pulls back, um, the gas is ported upwards and, um, yeah, it's a big deal. I don't know. It just gives the gas somewhere to go that like basically lets you use physics in your favor. So pretty fun. Okay. Um, yeah. So for folks who have never been to shot show, I think there's some really interesting stuff that goes on there. If you're, you can't buy anything, so you didn't miss out on buying like the sweet deals of the gay, but they do have the ATF booth, which, um, I was, uh, on Twitter earlier with, uh, Dana Lash's husband, Chris going back and forth no and he said i was yesterday days old when i learned that the atf has a booth at shot show which is the gun industry's uh, big trade show that happens every year in fact that is uh hold on this is my badge for it there it was so legit um they they do this this industry sh show which is the outdoor industry and it's shooting and all this kind of stuff and and like the ATF is there and it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen but it's exactly what you'd expect it's a huge booth considering how dumb it is uh, twenty feds I don't think they were law enforcement but they were all there like a bunch of federal workers all wearing suits and nobody wants to talk to them of course not my question is you know and we can only speak from the FBI but I assume the ATF has similar metrics shall we say uh do they claim like liaison uh public interface Stats? statistics yeah. for themselves i'm or, sure or is it like recruiting uh confidential human sources was there, <laughs> is there some sort of like takeaway from there that they had to like do a write-up for it yeah i have no idea i just know they were all there they all looked like uh they really wanted to talk to people and nobody wants to talk to the atf like <laughs> i think it so, would be probably like being an fbi agent going to like a pro-life rally 
if you yes. were on duty <laughs> wearing FBI stuff. If it said FBI and you rolled into the pro-life rally, no one the, trusts you. Well, to the March for Life today, mm -hmm. there was an FBI booth. Was there? <laughs> no. I wouldn't I put know, it back. Here's the thing. I, I think that we have so little awareness as an agency that I would not be surprised if they had one. But yes, it's exactly that feeling. I like, so I don't know. Have you ever been to March for Life? No, no, I'm not, not from D.C. And it's always January and it's cold, so I never got there. Yeah, I mean, it's not a desirable place to go do a thing uh, and walking around with a bunch of people. I will tell you this. I went, my wife dragged me to it, uh, I think in 2019. And there's never been a time when I've been surrounded by more people who I felt like shared the same sort of values of for children and babies, then I've never been anything, anything like that in my whole life. And so it's kind of surreal. It's kind of awesome. And it was the only time I've ever felt. Was that the one that Trump spoke at? Yes, it was. Was um, it, it didn't have like a MAGA rally vibe though, right? He, he kind of handled it nicely. No. Yeah. He didn't, it didn't have a MAGA rally at all. Um, it was, it's really wild. Like I think they had, it was on point. He just came and gave a very, pro-life speech which i think is great um it wasn't political it was just kind of lamenting sort of the place that we've gotten in this country where we're dealing with some of these things and um he uh yeah like i said like i let i had two little kids at the time one was a toddler who could walk and the other one was you know almost walking or walking very short distances and uh yeah i would have like totally if they got out of my sight i wouldn't have panicked that's the only time I've ever been in the crowd. You know what? You know what? In that, DC. Yeah, that That's dad crazy. feeling. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally wild. And there were little kids like you know, that were walking, and the parents weren't losing their minds. Pretty amazing. Um, anyway, the vibe is good. All right. Um, yeah. Anyway, for folks who haven't been to shot, it's weird. It's cool. Um, I'll try to post some updates. I may do a solo just reflections on it once I get my head around what I just did. Because uh, being in Vegas for four days is like being in a normal place for like eleven days or twelve days, and. My, and the cost is commensurate. Like I went and had four pieces of pizza. How much are four pieces of pizza at a casino? Oh my God. Well, if you're gambling, you're free, but no, no. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> what do they gotta be? Four fifty a pop? No. Higher? Oh, six. 10? Like 12 bucks a piece for a oh piece of pizza. God. I think it you was like 50 bucks. It was like 60 bucks for four slices of pizza for me and another guy and like two colas. It was awful. It's just like Oh my god. So that's, anyway, that's for like Disney. Yeah, no, that's what it is. It's Adult Disneyland, right? So that's it. <laughs> um so anyway, so Vegas is terrible. It'll always be terrible. Sorry to anybody who lives in Vegas. You know, the strip is bad. Um I yeah, I I went there for a purpose. I spent zero money on gambling, which I'm actually really proud about because I don't really like gambling and I don't like donating money to keep those lights on that, but they don't stay on by themselves. Like I watched hundreds of dollars a minute going away from people that just make no sense. So, um, I want to dig into, before we get to your article, I want to talk about the classified document scandal that Biden's got going on. Tell me what you kind of know about it right now. And we'll see if we can kind of, kind of riff on, on why this is going down. It just seems like it's just a never-ending story. So there's always just like a smattering of, oh, there's, there, they found more documents and they found more and then they found more. So it's kind of a, like this drip, drip, drip thing. But apparently they found, originally they reported finding some more classified marking documents at the, the Penn, the University of Penn uh, office that he had, uh, which he'd been with in the interim between leaving as vice president and then returning as president. Then they found the boxes that were in his garage with the with the Corvette. And then now they found things from actually inside the residence. 
it doesn't seem like it's hundreds and, and reams and reams of documents, but uh, they are basically the, the, the press corps seems to be really the only ones that are spun up about it, and everybody else just seems seems to be doing memes with Joe Biden with a Corvette with right. classified documents. Yeah, in backing it. into boxes of uh, marked classified. So <laughs> yes. I I want to give people a perspective on this because um, you and I worked in very different types of fields within the FBI. So you spent most of your time working Indian country. Um, the vast majority of your your eight years were Indian country. Is that accurate? Yes, yes. Okay. And how many classified documents would you say that, first of all, how much did you work on that was classified? Zero. None of it? None of it. And no, the only classified experience I had was to, as a new agent, I had to help send a, a FISA out as to check the box from the counterterrorism guy in the cube next to me, and I never saw it again. Okay. And so none of the things that you worked with were marked classified. Nope. How about people in your office? Anybody working on classified stuff, national security types? There was one guy who was filling a counterterrorism body spot for a couple of years. Then he moved on and they just uh, assumed that they could handle it from headquarters city. So we never dealt with it again. Okay. When that guy was there, did you ever see documents that were, uh, that had cover pages on them that were marked secret, no foreign or above? Was that a thing? Uh, he would walk into the skiff periodically and then, yeah, he would have like the envelopes that he would be, you know, on his desk or something like that. But, you know, I didn't really study it too much. I just figured he was doing secret squirrel stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, so for perspective, I did that for two years and then I worked under, you know, CT stuff. So we got briefs that were classified on a regular basis. But the amount of classified documents that I've handled in my life is very, very low. Not that I didn't work on things that were classified. It's just that printed form is really, it's like anything else. Like how many case files did you always have printed out? Were you running big binders? Were you one of those guys? No, no. Except no, for, I mean, I had hundreds of cases when I was there and, you know, just, everything would just be in the digital format once you start working on it in the FBI system. I think that's what I'm getting at too. So it's very yeah. interesting that there are anything got printed out. And I don't know if maybe like Joe's an old school guy and he's an old school president and he likes to have old school paper. Um, but, it, but classified documents in and of themselves are kind of a liability. And the idea that Trump had a couple hundred pages for all of the stuff that they were upset about, like, that's probably as many pages as there were in the office. Like, it's just not that common. Like you could easily see them getting yeah. boxed up. I mean, do, do you think that like out of an abundance of caution, they just, when, when they brief the president, they don't have like a PowerPoint from him. He's in the global office. Like I'm sure, sure they have paper. Do you think they just slap on a classified label on top of it just because out of an abundance of caution? Like maybe that's all the paper they saw. Even if they were briefing him on like, you know, this is uh, what's on the lunch menu today. They're going to say classified because <laughs> he's president. I don't think so. I don't think that you do that. I mean, we do see overclassification on a lot of things, right? But, um, you know, things that, you know, so sur surveillance reports that I did, it was just me observing what somebody did driving around in their own life. Like there's nothing classified about it, but I guess the classification yeah. comes in because their name is on it. So we wouldn't put their name on it. We would identify okay. them by like, uh, you know, subject, basically, uh, subject of investigation. And then we would tag it to the file and the file had the name in it. So it should have been an unclassified document and they would classify it anyway. Um, so there's, there's that, but like, I don't think people just, if you're briefing the president on something that's not, there's no reason for that. It's just weird to me that, the, that, that these people have any caches of documents, Trump or, um, Biden, because mm -hmm. it's just, it's not, it's not common to do it in a digital format. Either you get it verbally and somebody's briefing off something. Um, uh, but, but I also see that they wouldn't have it on a tablet per se, but I'm pretty confident they can drag in like a screen and show them. And there are rooms for that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. anyway, it's just it's one of those things that I've kind of found interesting. What do you think? Um, 
outside of the actual weirdness of handling physical paper that has markings and, and classified information on it, um, what do you think the motivation is? Because everybody's got a take and everybody's kind of curious, like, why, why now, why this way is this coming up? And you had a funny thought on it, I think. I mean, I, I think it's like the uh, the alchemist has reached his max out limit on the amount of drugs that they can pump into the president to keep him looking relatively stable for about 15 to 20 minutes and has briefed his handlers that like, look, he's going to code if I give him any more. And so they have just turned on a dime and said, like, we need to set the stage and exit stage right and uh, we can bring on somebody new and conveniently uh, you know, it's right around now, I think today or tomorrow, I, I maybe it's next week is when the two year mark comes up. So theoretically, if you had a vice president assume office at this point, that person could be serve this term out and then run two more times. Whoa. I didn't even think about it that way. Um, yeah. So January 20th is usually the inauguration day. Yeah. So now we've crossed into the less than two years by one day. Yeah. That's so yeah. interesting. So, so yeah, it's I, it, I was I was looking at the uh, president is is somebody that they wanted. I mean, maybe they had hoped for that early on, but at the same time, like now, no matter what happens, if you know, they add on this vice president and then she leaves for some other reason, like whoever t- assumes that that's the person can actually do a little bit of bonus time. What an interesting thought yeah so I, that's why i like talking to people that think differently than i do so i i was looking at the midterms and, and that they had waited to release it after the midterm which made sense to me that they were trying to avoid a political scandal but uh yeah. deeper machinations i think that's an interesting thought i don't know if it's true or not but you heard it here first uh or you heard it that's the first time i've heard someone say it that way at least and i listen to a lot of different news sources so all right steve thanks for that that uh, makes me sure. uncomfortable and unhappy to know as a possibility <laughs> Let's uh, talk quartering soldiers now. Yeah, let's move into something positive. Okay, so uh, let me pull up the text of the Third Amendment because I'm going to just read it verbatim and I'm going to get your thoughts on why the Third Amendment is ignored and what uh, what's the story with how you think it applies to our current life. So the text of the, of the Third Amendment in totality, quote, no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner, nor in time of war, but in a manner to be prescribed by law. What in the world does that have to do with what we are doing today? Why is the Third Amendment important in our current context? And you wrote a whole article about it. First of all, who published it? Uh, Tracy Beans did at UncoverDC.com. That's our, that's our buddy. Yep. Yep. She's awesome. Uh, sent her uh, the last uh, four columns I've done and, and her people have put them up uh, within 24 hours. So it's been very, very smooth and, and, and fast. She needs to give but, you like a fantasy Jersey that says uncovered DC on the back. If you're going to keep doing fantasy writer, I'll settle for some, just like a coffee mug and maybe a bumper sticker or something like that. That'd be pretty fun. Like world's okayest writer. <laughs> yes. With misspelled. Yes, clearly. <laughs> All right. So tell me the point, tell me the point of this piece. So I, I it really just started thinking yesterday when all the information came out about the FBI director being over at the World Economic Forum, and that spun up a lot of people, you know, upset for various reasons. And I'll let them get into it. And, and I kind of touched on that. I said, look, you know, smarter people than me can analyze the ramifications of him being over there from a globalist agenda. But he made a comment uh, in one of the uh, panels he was on uh, where he was sort of bragging about how the FBI is collaborating with private industry really well. Mm -hmm. And again, 
civil libertarians are going to pound the drum on uh, First Amendment and then privacy issues. Uh, but to me, there, there's a, a ton of First Amendment advocacy groups. There's a ton of Second Amendment. And then we just kind of always skip over it. And I think that the, the founding fathers, when they drafted the Constitution, they drafted the Bill of Rights, they put this Third Amendment pretty close to the front for a reason. And uh, I was able to connect it, I think, intellectually with problems that we're having with the merger of the FBI and the federal government and big tech, where there's this information industrial complex. And frankly, if, if, whether or not we're in a war, time of war or a time of peace, either way, you could construe the the current status quo as being we're, we're essentially quartering digital soldiers in our homes, uh, be it through like an Amazon Echo or digital uh, assistant uh, that can record you and and always record you, and mm -hmm. then we have informants that work for for Amazon or for whoever manufactures it, and and they can provide that information to the federal government. So what's the difference between that and a soldier sitting in the room next door taking notes? Yeah, uh, so you you got a proxy that's that's playing along uh, on behalf of the federal government, and then the uh, the self. Uh, obtained spyware living in your home that people have that you're talking to like a bunch of crazy people by the way people if you have an alexa or a um what's the other one the echo uh, the echo, echo. siri siri on your phone is one siri on your phone you're 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 so i want people to consider this thing when you say things like hey alexa or hey siri or how do you talk to the amazon one or how do you talk to the google one hey google i guess I don't know. I don't have them in my house. Yeah. So this is something that, so first of all, people that work in the sphere um, that understand how digital monitoring happened do not have these devices. And the ones that do make me very uncomfortable. Um, it makes me think that they don't know what's going on and that maybe they should be the executive assistant director of the human resources department at the FBI. Um, just looking at you here, Jennifer Moore, since I know that you had uh, TikTok on your phone during COVID, which is bizarre. But uh, when we're talking about these kind of things, like the only way that those devices are able to respond when you make a verbal prompt is that they are sampling the air and the sound at all times. Agreed? Yes. And Amazon's even told the government that. And they've recorded things that were not meant for the uh, for that device per se, or they were not meant for that particular um, activation of that software because they're always activating those things so they have access to the microphone at all times and have the potential and because storage is cheap enough and these companies sell data that they can have all of the things that go on around you there's no reason to think otherwise um, i think maybe the only spot in between there is if you were to hold down a button and use the siri uh, but i don't trust siri as a software program because it's designed to sample audio all around it so I don't know. I could talk to a friend. Actually, maybe I'll have a friend on who worked for Apple, but I don't know if he can talk about it. Uh, what they, what does and does not get sampled. I have a friend who's a, a software engineer there. Um, Those are classified documents. Too. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. Classified. Uh, it's sitting, sitting in his garage, but it's next to his Dodge Ram, not his Corvette. Um, so yeah, so sampling things like that is a real danger. And so you've got a, a quartering act you're, you're arguing, and this is more tongue in cheek than it is in reality, but I mean, am I correct about that? Like, it's kind of a, a way to think about it and, and maybe yeah, it's a, a different way to think about it. And and I even expanded beyond the digital assistant. I mean, like as I my wife experienced, she sent a private message on Facebook. She did that on her phone. Uh, that means that you know that private message was monitored either by eyeballs from a human or from some sort of computer algorithm. Either way, that message can be relayed to 
big government. Uh, and again, it's it's a workaround on privacy issues. And they're in, you know, certainly in keeping with the Third Amendment, like I, she didn't consent to that. And if she did, and it's somewhere hidden in in the, the huge giant user agreement, that's not really informed consent. So I think we're sort of operating again uh, out exterior of the Constitution on it. And I don't know about you, but I put my phone charging on the bedside table at nighttime. So if I use a Facebook app on my phone to send a private message and it gets intercepted and sent to the government, or there's a soldier in the guest room next door who's just got his ear against the wall listening to what I'm saying, for all intents and purposes, I think you're, you're kind of looking at the same thing just for a modern technology. Yeah, and I guess it's an expansion of what the definition of soldier is in some ways, but uh, but we've seen that the battlefield has changed. Like, I think we could make the argument pretty strongly that we're in what's called a 5GW or a fifth generation war, which is the, a lot of people call it a PSYOP. PSYOPs are like the battles of a, of a 5GW. Um, mm-hmm. So we're experiencing the anxiety that comes along with this this digital battle that is going on at all times. And so it makes sense that the warriors would not be necessarily, you know, operators and fatigues that are, you know, bearded and kicking down doors and throwing flashbangs. But in fact, they're they're hacking code. I, I even understand like what a, a quartering a soldier is like it, updated. Like, a soldier to me is an agent of the government at that point. You, you can make that case. I mean, we, we were we're waging war, you know, and it's not necessarily somebody who's uh, who's a, a obliged by the uniform code of military justice i think that uh, sure. there's been a lot of overlap from one way or another um connect yeah maybe even connect that to uh you know the fact that we're talking about they didn't have that many other options like the government was in, in and of like the military was the government at the time like that was the biggest represented yes. thereof that was who was inflicting and, and projecting force uh, on the british colonies came out of the military apparatus I think it's really- yeah, I mean, how many governors were you know, after they conquered an area? That was just like you know your your lieutenant general. He just became a governor then. Right, right, right. Um, how much do you remember? Did, did you have a lot uh, of understanding of the Going Dark Initiative? Did you ever hear Comey talk about that in 2013, 2014? Because that was about when you were coming in. No, no, I'm, I'm not too familiar with it. I mean, I've heard the term, but just kind of pigeonholed it somewhere in my brain. You'd have to remind me about it. So the Going Dark Initiative was uh, Jim Comey's um, term for the loss of visibility to lines of communication uh, through end-to-end encrypted apps and privacy applications, you know, your proton mails, your signals, your uh, even even um, iPhones were running on iMessage, which at, at one point in time we couldn't get access to and we couldn't. Uh, Mm -hmm. We couldn't hack in law enforcement. And so the concern was, and it's something I heard Ray talk about, you know, technologies are growing and there's many great possibilities, but there's also a lot of dangers from them. Um, You know, the concern was always like whether the government would be able to have access to these private spaces. Uh, WhatsApp was a big one. If you worked drugs, people, you know, dealt with that a lot. But um, there's a sense of entitlement that comes when you, when you name an initiative because people want to have privacy, you know, and, and I think this kind of, toes in to to what you're talking about with the third amendment like your government agents wanting to have access to uh to things that are fundamentally none of their damn business mm-hmm. right i mean yeah i mean you and i use and then encrypted apps that's that's our default yes uh i think as soon as you and i met that was the first thing that we did was we transferred over and we went to signal or, um and there's some other ones that are that are good too i don't want to just like blast one but i think it's the most ubiquitous at this point um, 
there, there is a, a right, maybe not in expressly, but the, this right to privacy. It's, it's funny. I never heard a right to privacy couched under the Third Amendment. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always the Fourth. It's always the Fourth. But I just thinking about it, I was like, well, why didn't they want the people in their house other than having to, like, clean up after them and feed them? I mean, why were they there to begin with? To get intel. Honestly, that's that that would have been about or at least their presence was going to smother you know, the the intelligence that was being transferred between parties. So just even being present and, and we're an example of that. Like we, what did we do? First thing we went to signal. Like we immediately changed our ordinary habits and, and lines of communication. And unfortunately today we're technology we're able to, you know, kind of do the work around it, not having a lot of loss of time or having to be more simple than we ordinarily would have. But in those days, like you just I'm just not going to contribute to the cause. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. So something kind of funny. Okay, so the quartering act specifically, you you're making the argument that it has to do with uh, intel and gathering and and having someone like physically in your home to be able to know what you're doing. And there's certainly like a there's certainly a reasonable argument for that. I think the other part was the cost associated with it that it was borne by an individual to quarter the soldiers without being reimbursed. So I, I assume that's what the prescriptions of law are about. And I haven't seen any um, prescriptions that say that they can put a soldier in. I'm not sure soldiers want to stay in other people's houses. That's a really, I mean, if you're a soldier, you're, you're, you're like, people are going to have to stay up. You're going to be a, you know, fire watch, things like that. You got to make sure that you have uh, yes. security and, and taking over somebody else's house with them still in it. Sounds pretty bad. Uh, maybe kicking them out would work, but um, is there a, a digital analog to the, uh, to the cost associated with supporting the sort of uh, physical soldier, so like in the digital space, like is there, is there a cost um, in the same way that you'd have to pay for like food and beverage? I'm just spitballing. I'm kind of curious if you. I mean, just by making a, an agreement to use a lot of these apps and giving up your data, I think we're we're finding that in this surveillance capitalism uh, state that we're in now, like that that is worth its weight in gold or digital weight in gold. That's why, you know, your Gmail is free. Like if, if it's free, then you're the product. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that people are just giving up their, their digital data and it's being monetized you know, without their consent. And, and then in return for that, they're housing a digital soldier on the bedside table next to them when they sleep. That's such a strange and weird idea. Um, I did see a really great, maybe we can adopt this. There was a great maybe meme um, playing on the, the 1835 Gonzalez battle flag, which is the famous star and then the, the cannon. Um, okay. But it was a star and there was a couch. And it said, <laughs> it said come and quarter this. <laughs> it's true. It's true, man. Too many people want that $700 stimulus check and Netflix and chill. We saw that in the last three years. It's, it's really interesting. All right, I want to move um, into suspensions and talk a little bit about uh, your suspension. Uh, you know, people always ask us, "Oh, you're indefinitely suspended." I wanted to kind of, I wanted your, t how far into it are you right now? Uh, I'm actually anticipating a meeting with the security division of the FBI next week. I've been informed that uh, they're they're sort of to look at the folks who have been suspended in connection with January six, uh, you know, suspicions or. Uh, misbehaviors from the FBI's perspective. So been four months, I've had almost no contact, but now they've arranged for me to travel to Washington, D.C. and uh, sit down with a meeting with security division. Now, I think you made one of the same conditions that I did, which was that you wanted to bring a congressperson with you. What did they, did you, did did, you make that offer? I, I did, I, it's, it's not come to pass, but uh, in talking to a former staffer 
uh, he, he kind of made a point that I, I didn't even think about and was, look, they want to be on the back end of this doing some sort of review uh, about any sort of malfeasance. But if they are involved and even observing while the process is going on, they could be accused of having a conflict of interest and they're not going to be able to do a, an impartial review. So that they steering clear is actually could be in their best interest, if not for mine. So I, I, I'll accept that as long as, you know, it's, I'll take it in good faith that they're going to they're going to hear me out after the fact. Uh, so at this point, my attorney will be there to, to observe. And that was very specific. They said he cannot be there to advise me because this is not a criminal proceeding, but he can be there to observe. Uh, but you know, you know as well as I do that uh, it might not be criminal, but they could also have some sort of contact case, some sort of counterintelligence case against me that they're saying is a. Uh, is outside of the criminal realm. That's right. So you know what? That's not in my notes. Um, and for people's awareness, I'm Steve's at 124 days. I think is that correct? Is that what our yes. number was? 124 days um, that he's been removed from the office. Um, we verified this the other day that in fact our names are still in the system. I've been out for 276 days, not competing, <sighs> but more than twice, which is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> that's that's how many days it was since April 18th when I left. Um, we're like the married couple, though. The longer it goes, the closer I'm going to look to you in, in this regard. Yes, because we're moving in the same. Yeah, we're moving in the same thing. Soon you won't look uh, so nearly so dramatically. Uh, yeah, it's still it's still ridiculous to have triple triple figures because we don't see any of those suspensions. And we'll do a crime and punishment a little bit um, yes. and talk about that in a in a little while. Um, yeah. So I wanted. It, it didn't occur to me until just now. Um, but you had a conversation <laughs> over was it Twitter? Yeah, with a uh, <laughs> with a Russian <laughs> reporter, <laughs> kind of. So uh, yes, because so, you said so contact cases. So uh, we have to establish background. Um, please, I uh, sought and gained permission from the pre-publication review office of the FBI to speak publicly on the details of my uh, of my whistleblower complaint. Yeah. I have that in hand. So, yes, I was contacted by a direct message uh, from a member of the press, Sputnik News, and, uh, and he gave me a few questions. He was writing an article. I responded back through the direct message, answers to those questions. I actually gave him some, some pretty lengthy responses, and, and to his credit, he just took them in full, didn't take anything out of context, and ran with them in the story, and I felt like it was actually a pretty, pretty fair story. But uh, that is a, a Russian news source, and... and um, and I'm sure that that will be a question for me in front of the security division if I've had any contact and if I just absolutely think, well, news media doesn't count, then they're going to say, aha, aha, you've lied about contact with, uh, with foreign, foreign adversaries, especially now because Ukraine and, uh, and Russia is going on. Yeah, but uh, so one, I think it, make, it puts you on safe ground because, number one, you're not, uh, you're not unaware of who that, that group was. Um, you knew that Sputnik was uh, based on the name, a Russian entity, and that it was state-sponsored media. Did you, they've been around for almost a hundred years. I found out today. I didn't actually yeah. know that. Like ninety. He sent me years. the link to the story afterwards. I don't think it was, you know, him trying to like gather intel on the FBI. Right. Um, even if they're using it for propaganda purposes, like you're only going to say things that you know are true, and that's the nature yeah. of how you and I have been operating. So it doesn't really matter who we talk to. I just think it's funny to get out ahead of these things because, as we discussed earlier today. Um, you know, you could just see them like losing their mind and opening a contact case up. Do you? Oh, no question. And 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 then I started once once you brought that up because I hadn't even didn't even occur to me in the moment. Uh, I started just thinking about things. I was like, you know, they they sent me that itinerary for my travel at like six o five p.m. 
like who, who in the federal government's working and sending up travel arrangements then? Nobody. And they sent it like right after he had sought my my comment. So I'm like, I bet you they recruited this guy to do this. It's, it's, it's a big op. They're trying to take me down. And then uh, I do have a LinkedIn profile and I don't look at it very often, but uh, I got a... Uh, uh, an alert and saw that this uh, reporter from Sputnik was looking at my profile after he had published the uh, the article. That's now he funny. probably was seeing, wanted to see if I was posting it on my on my LinkedIn to see like how much reach. Yeah, there's get. there's definitely a, a totally uh, innocuous reason for it, and so and and we have no we have no idea about this guy's motivation, and I don't want to impugn his honor in any way. What no, I do think is funny, what our what our point more is is two things. Once once you end up in the space that Steve and I are as whistleblowers. Um, and there's a, a definition thereof, you get a little paranoid about things and it really helps when you have another person to bounce these ideas off. And that has not historically been the way that things have worked for people. So you and I are in a unique situation, I think at this point, uh, with the ability to have two different minds with two different sets of experiences, with two different sets of contacts to kind of vet actions and, and, uh, actions against us, uh, that other people don't generally don't do i mean two two is definitely better than one in this case and we actually have several others just uh not public but being able to put their name you know their, their uh their experiences and 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 kind of bang some what's going on around us against their experiences i think has been really helpful um like you said yeah. it didn't even occur to you but you didn't work ci so why would you No, i know and, and i mean and look and that's why they if, it, if they did do something they came at the indian country guy and that's, <laughs> that's years right of counterintelligence experience they came to the the podunk guy who's been playing longmire and wind river for the last almost decade that's so funny uh did you uh before you and i talked you ever heard of the, the expression contact case was that something that was in your lexicon or no no not at all not at all and then and then you dropped that neuron on me and then the the potential uh code Turk code for it. So yeah, it's a 200 series. Um, I think maybe that's just for China. It doesn't matter. Um, so I'm going to just brief up. So, so for folks who are hearing this and, and wondering like why you keep saying something that I don't know what it is. A contact case is a, uh, it's a slang term for a bureau, um, investigation in counterintelligence that doesn't have to have any criminality associated with it. It literally means that you have a foreign contact of interest and that contact um, is somebody that is either associated with an intelligence in, you know, um, agency or a, a state actor. And if it's of interest and, and they're, they're actually tracking it, then they will open up a case on you because you had contact with them to find out if you were being the victim, if you were being um, trying, if somebody's trying to exploit you or your knowledge. And so, you know, I had an attorney reach out to me because the same reporter from Sputnik also DM'd me on Twitter and uh, I've just sort of ignored it because I just don't really talk to Russians. I don't have any problem with Russian people in general. I just, I'm not trying to give interviews to Russian newspapers. There's no upside for what I'm trying to accomplish. It doesn't fit my mission set. And, uh, and I had our attorney reach out, one of our whistleblower attorneys, and he asked me about it and he's like, uh, do you mind if I tell the bureau that we'd be cooperative about that? It's like, yeah, I still believe in the mission America. 100%. I'm an America first person, whether or not I'm an America first branded person is another answer. But, um, you know, Steve and I mentioned it, like our loyalty and our, our oath is to the Constitution in this country. So that doesn't change. And so if they open up a contact case, I mean, is there a, a time limit where they would eventually just say like, oh, well, there's nothing here? Or could that theoretically be something that just follows me to the grave that I'm just always in the sentinel? 
Yep, always in Sentinel. <laughs> uh, and and so the backstory, of, you know, my first. So even half, if I get walked out, the FBI will always have a Steve friend in the system on the on the red side. If they choose to, yeah. And I'm not saying that we don't have any knowledge that they do. I'm just saying that they could easily justify it at this point. <laughs> that would be an easy one, you know, one paragraph EC opening for me uh, on Steve Friend, the contact case <laughs> with Russian state media as as mm-hmm. uh, indefinitely suspended mm-hmm. FBI agent. So. Anyway, so Steve's going to come back and report to us after he talks to SecD. SecD is the security division. That's what we call it because everything has an acronym. Um, but I do want to hear how it goes. I'm not going to give away any of the strategies that we have about um, how you're going to take that interview. But you're going to treat the witness as hostile, I assume. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident. Like I told you, like it, it's going to be like um, one magician showing another magician a trick, right? It's just That's not going to be impressive. I just, like, I know how to sew the lady in half, guy. Like, it's, it, it's not really doing it for me. There's something um, I really so. like about that analogy, because I just imagine like two illusionists sitting there. He's like trying his hardest, and he's doing all that abracadabra thing, and he's like, just not it. Now nah, there's a spring on the bottom. Yeah, it's. It, no, not impressed. Yeah. So I think that'll be fun. The only the only uh, downside is that uh, my suspendable swag will not be here in time to wear it. So I guess I'll have to wear something else that says like I don't give a rip. Maybe I'll just wear like a nine lines hoodie sweatshirt so they can they can see that. Yeah, nobody is coming. It's up to us. That's um, <laughs> that's my favorite. Um, oh, not nine line. Who makes that? Thirty seconds out makes one. They'll get you one. In, in uh-huh. the, they can get you one before Monday probably or before okay. before Wednesday. Right, what day are you are you traveling? Uh, travel on Tuesday, so I could probably get something here. Travel on Tuesday, day. interview on Tuesday, interview on Wednesday. No, travel on Tuesday afternoon, first thing Wednesday morning interview, which I, I don't know if it's an all-day interview or not. I can't mm-hmm. imagine it is. Uh, and then they are having me fly back Thursday afternoon. Um, my question is, and, and we're using the, that Hyatt Hotel, I guess it's across the street from the from headquarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping that there's a... Uh, transportation because uh, i'm not paying for uber I'm not, I'm not getting a cab i'm not renting a car i could just be stuck at the airport call my lawyer if there's no transportation available yeah um well you let me know i'll, I'll hook you up with somebody out there yeah uh, as, right. as needed that seems like a you're, i mean you're still an employee yeah they should they should they should they should give me they, they should provide me a view ride for the three day stay I think we can pretty much guarantee that will not be happening. Plus, you don't want to park it. But getting it right up there, yeah, we'll make that happen. Um, so you're going in. Uh, are you prepared for a polygraph? If that's something that they want you to do, are you going to uh, submit to that? No, I'm not. I mean, I'm sure they're going to say whatever. I if I refuse to do one thing or another, that I'm refusing to participate in the process. But, yeah. Yeah. I, it, but th- th- that's that's been this way adversarial with the guy that I've been communicating with the whole time. I mean, he. I responded to him once from my iPhone and he said that I needed to provide him the phone number for the iPhone because he didn't have it. To which I said, well, the special agent in charge of my division has it because I gave it to her when I was suspended. Uh, and he immediately, instead of saying like, oh, okay, I'll reach out to her, said like, oh, so you're refusing to cooperate with me. Correct. Yes. It, 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 it took everything to me not to say like, oh, no, sir. I'm just pointing out that a potential security breach happened where the special agent in charge did not communicate information she gained from me to you uh, so that could be something that you all should should investigate <laughs> but i decided to hold my tongue on it because it just wasn't worth it yeah there's no upside in some of this stuff but i i'm just yeah i'm just kind of prepping that there there is a line and, and one of the things that somebody had thrown at me was that they might try to do a polygraph which is so stupid um and you've done nothing wrong that's the thing that's so wild 
Um, mm-hmm. Nothing you've done should have landed you on a suspension of 124 days. Um, it shouldn't have even gotten you like a letter of censure or a letter of reprimand in your file. So um, mm-hmm. we're not dealing with honest operators. I just want people to know that we are playing, we are preparing mentally for sort of the stupidity that goes on around this thing. But um, yeah, there's really no stopping it. Unfortunately, that's just that's just what it is. That is the the world we're living in. Um, so in the last couple of days, we've had a couple of uh, interesting developments. We have a, a new friend. You know, we're friends with Tracy beans because she's just been really great to you know publishing and 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 backing our story um i claim bongino dan bongino is a a sort of a an ally in the world right now and i've been really grateful that he was uh, a man of his word and has backed us up we're seeing some interesting movement um and you made contact with emerald robinson is that right yeah yeah emerald's uh reached out to me and then her staff did as well Uh, and that's where i primarily communicate through staff and uh, what, uh, what is Brianna the name of Varela. her? Yeah, what is her? Uh, what's her show called? Uh, it's a absolute, absolute, absolute truth, truth with Emma Robinson. Uh huh. And so they've been kind of putting pressure on um, the House Judiciary yes. folks that we've talked to, right? Her and and a particular uh, journalist for American Greatness also reached out to me. So simultaneously, they both kind of reached out to uh, Congressman Jordan's office. Uh, well, the end of last year. Okay. And I think you and I have been a little bit suspicious of it. We, we talked about, you know, we don't have a lot of trust in politicians. Just that's just the nature. I think a lot of Americans can sympathize with that position. Um, but I, I also am pretty excited that uh, I'm feeling better about it today than I did not too long ago. Uh, so for people's awareness, um, Joe Pags, who has the Joe Pags show, and is I think he's out of San Antonio, but um, does a great radio program and, and podcast, uh, specifically kind of talked to representative jim jordan uh about steve and i by name which i'm i'm grateful that he's keeping the conversation going um i think it's i mean it's interesting to me (laughs) like i don't know if it's interesting to anybody else but uh but uh you know to his credit representative jordan was spot on and said that he you know he was aware of our media appearances that we both gone gone public and he knows our names and he knows what we're doing and he expects us to testify and then he repeated those things on sean hannity's radio yesterday and uh, Bongino's show on Wednesday. So the the message got through that we're we're looking to be told that we're not going to be left out in the cold. Do you feel like you're optimistic because of that? Do you feel left le- you know less in the cold than we were maybe a week ago? I do, I do. Um, well, first, I, I think that uh, the media who has exposed themselves as just like being just good people, uh, Joe Pags meets that threshold in spades. Yeah, like, for sure. That guy sent me... He told me after I interviewed with him, like, hey, I got Jim Jordan coming on all the time. I'll be sure to bring it up to him. And he could have just blown it off. Mm-hmm. But not only did he ask him about you and me specifically by name, but then he reached out to me and directly sent me a message saying, hey, I did that today. Check it out. So that, that's just a guy who's just keeping up on us. So first first of all, hats off. That guy's, that guy's a hero to me. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if, if, uh, if Congressman Jordan is, knows our names, I'm feeling really good. Um, and I, I've definitely been in contact with his staff and, uh, and I actually have an opportunity coming up this weekend on Sunday, there is a fairly big fundraiser in my area and jo- Jim Jordan's going to be the keynote. So, uh, my Congressman, uh, invited me to come as a, as a special guest and I'm going to have a chance to meet the man directly. And I'm hoping that that will uh, just cement, uh, you know, just face-to-face contact and and, and uh, 
maybe we'll we'll get bumped to the front of the line on this church committee coming up. Now, is that you said that's this weekend or it's next weekend? Yeah, no, it's this Sunday. This Sunday. So okay, so days. so unfortunately, you're not going to be able to hand him a suspendable shirt. No, no, but I can get his size. I mean, I, you know, he's kind of tough to tell. He's always wearing the uh, the the dress shirt, no no blazer. Yeah, but he looks fit, um, right? So I'm guessing. Yeah, he's, he's a like, wrestler. He's he looks. I know. He looks like a schmedium, if I had to guess. <laughs> I don't know how tall he is, but I assume he's a schmedium. Yeah. Yeah. Get his t-shirt size. We'll send him a suspendable shirt. Um, I better order mine. We're gonna start ordering. So let's talk about the merch real quick because it's kind of funny. So, um, you know, this is not a. Uh, we're trying to be in the t-shirt business. We're more in the. Um, the frustrated FBI agent business, I think, right? Yeah. Pretty full-time. We're frustrated and, and oddly creative, and then we have oddly uh, talents between our group that seems to match up well for some sort of T-shirt venture capitalist operation. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so tell people what, first of all, who don't know, if they haven't seen any of our previous stuff, what are the suspendables? Uh, suspendables was a term that I, I came out with uh, when you know you and I became suspended and we started being introduced to others who were suspended and uh, just as a, a funny rip on the Sylvester Stallone uh, trilogy of the Expendables and we started trying to pick particular old school action heroes that each of us wanted to be and then that took on who, who um, am I you know uh, I, I said you were uh, Jason Statham yeah I really like that I don't know why I don't have a British accent and I'm not bald but I'll take it and <laughs> producer Phil's Mickey Rourke. Clearly, <laughs> just salty and doing tattoos and grouchy and telling people to watch their back. Um, but it to me, it's just the ultimate uh, exposure of the media uh, taking themselves so serious and uh, they're unable to recognize that we're being satirical or just trolling or just being funny and having fun with ourselves because they made it a legitimate term. And they being times. the New York uh, Times. Our, our friends, Alan Fewer at the New York Times, uh, name checked us or name checked me in a uh, sympathetic article yeah. to a, a retired uh, executive of the FBI and uh, said that uh, I was a member of the Suspendables. So uh, I, I, I need a little trademark logo um, next to it now at this point because the paper of record uh, has, has listed us as, as being existing. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're real. The New York Times knows it, too. Um, who else could be a suspendable? Like, why would people have the shirt? Like, what what is the value set of the suspendables? Since we're we're silly about it because it is funny, and there's no doubt about it. And we and we made them with that in mind. But you know, there's something about you know who who is a suspendable, and and how would they be? What would they be supporting? Like, what what values are they putting on their shirt if they were to wear one? Uh, they're just, I mean, they're just supporting what we've pushed for, that, you know, that there is a right and there is a wrong. And, and clearly the FBI is, is, on, is on that latter side of things these days and, and the way that it's conducted itself and reported itself with you know, its everyday practices. And then especially with its treatment of people who came forward rightfully so, legally so, uh, and, and, and walked us out the door any way that they could, as opposed to taking genuinely, you know, uh, well-intended criticism where, you know, you and me and, and others were trying to make the agency better. And we were told from the very outset that, you know, that, that was that was fine. And instead, they circled the wagons and said, protect the shield. So, you know, we decided to turn that on its head, you know, and we turned the shield upside down. And that's our that's our logo. It's an upside down FBI uh, uh, badge with that with our Superman S on the inside. And uh, and then also my, my favorite new parable that I've, I've developed, which is the the mosquito, 
and the, the parable of the, of the suspended mosquito where it, it lands on your face and takes a bite, and that's a little annoying, but the real damage is when you go to swat it away and punch yourself in the face, which is what the FBI seems to be doing yes. over and over again. Yeah, bringing those stuff out. So it's my contention that anybody could be a suspendable. You don't have to have been suspended to be a suspendable. You just have to be prepared to do the right thing if and when that that uh, opportunity comes up. Is that about right? Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I mean, that's that's why our logo is it has the American flag in it because that's uh, at, at its root. That's that's what America is supposed to be about. Yeah, taking a line for freedom and sacrificing for other people's freedom if necessary. Um, I'm. I'm optimistic that there are a lot of suspendables out there in the world. I get a lot of great messages. I'm assuming you do as well on your, um, on your social media accounts. Um, yeah. before we, before we do the crime and punishment, let's do, well, let's do the crime and punishment. We'll do crime and punishment. I'll tell people how they can find you. And then you can tell me whether or not you're being a shadow man still. Cause it looks like you're stuck. <laughs> are you, are you almost there? Are you almost over the top? On some <laughs> it's, of these? it's like four a day, two steps forward, one step back. And they won't let me get to that five digit mark on the followers. Okay. It's coming. Um, we're we're gonna push it forward when we when we put this out. So, um, okay. and people who can see the uh, the video, if you're looking, you'll see that uh, Steve Friend at Real Steve Friend is his uh, is his handle. That's gonna be on Twitter. If you put an underscore between the real and the Steve, that's his true social. You can follow him on either one. I encourage you to follow him on both. Um, boost those things up wherever you're used to it. That way, because there's different audiences that, and you have different friends that are following in different places. But I, I do think the information that he's putting out is different than what I'm saying. It's equally valuable and it is equally interesting. And I go read Steve's feed because I want to see what he's up to. Steve has a funny way of taking kind of uh, aggressive, snarky shots in ways that I have yet to consider. You had a really funny one about uh, about this woman. There's a, there's a politician. I can't remember her name, but I don't care because I don't need to publish it. She was talking about how she was really excited about some legislation Cory Booker was making about a, f- a national firearms license in order to carry a firearm. And you went somewhere that I would have never even considered, but I did think it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I said, uh, can I use my, uh, my national firearms license as a voter ID? Exactly. It's, it's <laughs> the, the, the amusing part about all this, uh, this stuff. And I think that, uh, and, and I don't know, we're conservative, but we're not necessarily Republicans. Um, although I generally vote Republican, I imagine you probably do too. There's not really a choice otherwise at this point, but, mm-hmm. um, it's, there's something even funnier about just the absurdity and the cognitive dissonance that people who disagree with us have to live in. Um, they don't want IDs, but you need to have an ID. I assume that there's going to be a license for free speech later too. Yeah, oh, of course. And, and here's the thing, like when you come up with these snarky responses and you do the same thing too, but it's not like we sit here over the computer for 45 minutes crafting something that's like, oh, this is going to be a good dick. It's immediately apparent. Mm-hmm. And that's just just shows the lack of self-awareness and, and the utter hypocrisy of some of these things that people put out there. But, you know, such as the uh, the vast wasteland that is Twitter. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was never on social media on purpose because I felt like I'd be kind of good at it. I think I'd be kind of good at saying. <laughs> so, you know, today I got a I got one of you guys, I think it was Garrett, actually gave us a, uh, you know, an article that showed that the FBI was now going to look into the 78 fire bombings into uh, pro-life pregnancy centers. And, and so, like, immediately in my head, I'm like, you know, I'm like, the good men and women, of, you know, FBI, the good men and women of the FBI work every day, you know, tirelessly to secure American liberties and freedom, you know. 
uh, GOP wins the House. Also the FBI. We are now putting out a $25,000 reward for the 78 uh, firebombings that we've been ignoring since May of last year. Like, yeah. you, you can't make up that the double standard exists. And I don't no. think it's agents. No. It's like, you know, you and I on the front line would never come up with a $25,000 reward on anything. That's some idiot that just thinks that they got to move the case forward and they got to show they're doing something. And, and it probably relates, you know, it's like, why don't you just troll Twitter and figure out who Jane's revenge is? Because they signed yes. it. They, they literally yes, signed totally. their work. Or the employee, the current employee who sent me a link to that article, and I responded, they should have probably listened to me four months ago when I went to the crisis pregnancy center to support them and then was told that instead I need to refocus on the Planned Parenthoods. And then they said, instead, you actually just need to leave the FBI because you are you should really do some soul searching. Soul searching, soul searching. You don't know the terror she felt the day that they seized our democracy. Our democracy nearly ceased. All right, uh, let's go crime and punishment because uh, we're wrapping up on the hour here. Let's do crime and punishment. It'll just be me. There's no producer Phil. Folks who have been missing producer Phil, I miss him more than you do because it's a lot harder for me to do this without him. But we're going to get it done. So re- what right. do you got for us? All right, here's a twofer. Um, I'll read them both and then I'll have you... Uh, oh, before you do, how, how, how far are you into the OPR files right now? What I've gone through four of the, fi- of the 24 files. What does that mean? So, so I mean, I've gone through and just pulled it. So I've got 24 OPRs okay. that have come out, and I've gotten through four of them. So one-sixth of the way through, and I'm up to uh, installment 50. Okay, you're installment 50. So for folks who are not following Steve on uh, Twitter or on Truth, uh, if you follow him and you can search his account, hashtag OPR, that's Oscar, Papa, Romeo, the word files, F-I-L-E-S, plural, uh, OPR files, you will be able to read actual uh, OPR, Office of Personnel or Office of Professional Responsibility, which is like our version of internal affairs, internal affairs investigations in the FBI and the punishments that they received just for the sake of how ridiculous things are. So that's what we're going to read right now is an OPR investigation with the punishment. I will try to just guess the punishment. All right, send it. All right, first one. Employee failed to follow policies and procedures regarding source documentation. The employee regularly uploaded documents months uh, are, are where they are due and uh, months after they were due. Mm-hmm. In mitigation, the employee had 20 years of FBI service, positive performance record, was working at a large-scale labor-intensive investigation on an understaffed squad in aggravation. The delayed completion of case documents may have hampered other investigations, had negative impact on the Bureau's relationship with the U.S. Attorney's Office, and the scope and duration of the employee's failure to abide by Bureau policy was extensive. So failure to put the paperwork in in a timely fashion. That's one. Mm-hmm. Number two, employee exchanged text messages with a source that included sexual banter. Mm-hmm. In mitigation, the employee had a positive performance record and was well regarded by the division. In aggravation, employee's text message with the source were discoverable. In litigation, it could have complicated or compromised an investigation. The source made statements to others that the source could use the text messages to extract money or special favors from the FBI. Yeah. Okay. So those are two different crimes. One is failure to maintain bureau paperwork. I'm going to say that's about a week of, um, a week of punishment. And then, uh, the other one is sexting or sexual banter with source. We don't know if this is male, female, but it probably is male to female. Yeah. Oh, it's gotta be right. It's gotta be. Okay. (laughs) So that should be about half the punishment because, because there's deviance involved in this sort of thing. Um, all right. What, what, what were the actual punishments? Five days for late paperwork and a two day suspension for sexting your snitch. A week and half a week. 
Yes. That's about right. And, uh, you sit at 276 and I'm at 124, sir. So 124 days for downloading the employee handbook outside of the policy of downloading the employee handbook by using uh, the electronic transfer device given to him by the FBI on FBI computers. Big deal. Uh, mine, 276 days for telling a cop what the state law was and insisting that uh, I would follow the state law, which he had no authority to enforce because he wasn't in his jurisdiction. Politely. I would say you can't write this except they did with the OPR files. They literally wrote it. And so, all right. So, folks, if you are not following Steve, please do so. Um, Steve, thanks so much for joining me today. I am appreciative of your commentary. I'm also really appreciative of your friendship, and we wish you really good luck. I expect a, uh, an update after your visit to SecD in, in the swamp. Got it, man. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is the Kyle Serafin Show, and you have been listening to Kyle Serafin and Steve Friend, The Suspendables. We are very appreciative of your support. Please um, make sure you like, subscribe, share with your friends. If you heard something you like, put it out there. Um, we will be working on another good long form. I've got a couple of whistleblowers coming up. I've got Greg Dillon coming up in the next week or two. I'm going to have Steve Gray, who's a retired FBI agent and a former um, uh he was a former candidate for Congress in New Jersey, which is a bold move. Uh, and Steve is great. He's been on uh, Gorka's show and some other places that he and I have shared some interview space. So look forward to those coming up in the next couple of weeks. We'll get some more commentary and some more great interviews. Uh, until then, follow us on Twitter at Kyle Serafin, at Kyle Serafin on Twitter and True Social. And the same thing on Rumble. It's rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin if you want to see the video version of this. And you can see my what's known as the Quantico Special. This is the special edition FBI rifle that Geisley Automatics put out. And uh, I keep it hanging up just in case things get sporty out here in Arizona. Thanks so much for listening to our show. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth at Kyle Serafin.